This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Cold open question of the day, Brendan Clean. We just hit the 10-year anniversary of Philip Seymour Hoffman's death. I, I think, speaking for you here, I think the collective favorite actor of the Just Basketball show. Among many other scenes in many movies over the course of a great career, he killed, absolutely killed, being a horrible pickup basketball player in the rom-com Along Came Polly. Brendan, what's your favorite movie basketball scene of all time? I wanted to come up with a creative, thoughtful, like artsy answer or something here. Um, but my answer is not, not, not any of those things. I actually am going to go with the initial discovery of the, the, the talent scene from hustle from last year where Juancho Hernan Gomez oh. like looks really cool on a playground. I don't know if that's like, yeah. I didn't do a uh, detailed research. I wasn't, you know, popping in DVDs over the weekend to get ready for this one. But that is what came to mind first, as far as, uh, maybe a, a little bit outside the box, but still one that I really enjoyed. Good answer. I it's basically go. like a, a Fast and the Furious race, but a basketball game, that scene. It's yeah. kind of bananas, but also very fun. And and that's a good movie. Brennan, mine is just the basketball scene from Along Came Polly because it's so damn funny and it's just so kind of ridiculous and human. And you could tell that Philip Seymour Hoffman, who like, you know, had was like a wrestler in high school. Has someone on a on a show I was listening to recently pointed out he's not really built to be a good basketball player. Like he's got really thick forearms and things. But this scene where he's just yelling "raindrop, white chocolate," and he's just then he calls for the timeout. It's like it's incredible. It is like the the guy that like you're really mad he's in your pickup game. I'm kind of I, I when I was at a larger stage in my life was this guy probably just like in your pickup game that you don't want in your pickup game. It's incredible. I, the commit and just the commitment to being awful, just downright horrendous is honestly just it's very human. It's just very grounded in reality in a way. A lot of basketball scenes and movies. Looking at you, Jack Harlow, and you're using the wrong hand and you're st- with your stunt double. You know, not really grounded in yeah. reality most of the time. Human is a funny way to put it. I I mean, he's he's playing for laughs, right? I mean, he's being ridiculous. Yeah. I I would hope there's not a, a ton of humans who are setting themselves up for failure to that degree, doing something that they're just flat out bad at. You know, like you could play you could shoot hoops solo, maybe get yourself ready for the pickup game. There are undoubtedly people like him. I, I don't disagree with that, but uh, I would hope 
few and far between, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't been to enough oh. playgrounds. Also, the, the varying aversions to the really sweaty, hairy guy, a very real thing. That you is know? human. Yeah, being like, I don't want to have to guard the big, hairy guy wearing goggles in the post and, like, take a stomach full of sweat to my face. That's that's very human on, on Ben Stiller's part. All right, coming up on today's show, not more about all on Game Polly and Jack Harlow and basketball movies. It's the NBA trade deadline. It is coming close. We've got a bunch of categories we're going to give out for this one, plus the latest in WNB free agency. That's all coming up today on the Just Basketball Show. Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show. I am Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. If you haven't already, follow us on your podcast platform of choice, five stars only. And hit subscribe on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel. Check out Thrive Fantasy as well, one of our great partners. Thrive Fantasy is a player prop DFS platform where you can pick more or less on your favorite players across multiple sports, including the NBA and the NFL. Sign up today with our code JustBasketball and Thrive. We'll match your first deposit up to $250. Gotta say, tip a cap to me for a second. Don't like to do that. I feel uncomfortable even doing this, but... Our guy Colby Olson and I are doing daily prop videos on during the week over on our TikTok page at Just Beeball Fans. I got Demonis Sabonis over on point under on points and rebounds as one of my props on Monday. Got it only by point five, but I hit that thing, and I'm pretty proud of myself for for calling that one, Brendan. I gotta say, that's fair. Isn't it better to get it by a lot though? Like if it is, if you no. eke it out, thrill the it's thrill. It's the thrill. Got it. Just about the thrill. I'm here for I'm here for a long time or for a good time on on that. Not a I want to win and feel some exhilaration, you know. And and picking unders on guys who are just doing what Sabonis is doing, kind of like honestly a little risky. Wasn't it, the math did not go in my favor in terms of historical data, but take that for data. Really, just a homer pick, but that's conversation for no. a different day. That you know, you know, kind of true, but you know. I was right, so whatever. All right, WM for agency. Neka Ogumake is going to the Seattle Storm is where I think we have to start. Number one, Brendan, love that she just gets to go break this news to her sister on the Worldwide Leader in Sports. I love that that's like how this, this kind of got rolled out, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I thought her quotes about how they're building the practice facility and they also just got Skylar Skylar Diggins-Smith. I felt like the way she talked about this to me was very, very smart, and I like this move for her as one of the you know one of the stars of the league. I think someone that still has a lot left to provide the W has a lot left to accomplish. I like that she's getting a fresh coat of paint on her career. I like the fact that she is choosing something new and chasing something new as opposed to just trying to stay in L.A. and stay where she would have just been very comfortable and could have probably stayed there forever and not been a big deal. Yeah, look, it's... A move back to the Pacific Northwest for her. She went to college at Stanford. So it always seemed like a, a, a decent option, I think. But 
I actually, uh, you know, you, you flexed on getting the Sabonis under. I will flex something a little different and more random. But coincidentally, happened to speak to John Quill Jones today oh, for sick. an article at Uproxx and uh, asked her about NECA moving. And I think, you know, her perspective as somebody who left a, let's say, in the WNBA, it's not so much small market versus big market. It is more so franchises that are being invested in and franchises that are not. Franchises with deep-pocketed, committed ownership versus franchises that are being run like, you know, Div 2 college programs. And John Quill Jones did that last year. She left the Connecticut Sun, moved to the New York Liberty, was part of a super team, not unlike what NECA just did. Both former WNBA MVPs, players who had played in the finals. And her perspective is as well as I can put it, which was even a player as great as NECA, right? Somebody who is the, the president of the executive committee of the Players Association and somebody who whose accolades I just listed there. Even she should, and in this case did, tell the franchise that did all of that alongside her what she was worth. And it's not just about money. It's not just about talent around you, but it's also, hey, I am somebody that helped build this organization into what it is. Why have you guys not followed suit? And I, you know, I don't know how deeply like the hate for the sparks necessarily runs. I'm not trying to build it in anything that it's not, but clearly on the other side of this, the storm have done all those things. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we continue to see these super teams be built in places that have invested in the franchise. It's that simple right now in the WNBA. If you are that, you're going to get players. If you are not that, you will not get players. I think, too, it tells you where the sparks... I mean, what you just said, I think, is all correct. And I think tells us like what the sparks kind of are right now and this is the storm are obviously now the more interesting team for next season i think just with the talent they've added and, and everything like that and just their history but what are what are even the sparks now they have a high draft pick you know they signed lexi brown to a two-year two-year extension but like what i this team now just kind of also this team doesn't exactly have an identity right now um this team doesn't exactly have anything you can really rest its merits on and I and maybe maybe that comes via them having the number two pick maybe Paige Beckers is the pick there and that becomes I guess maybe it's Cameron Brink or something now I, I don't know exactly where they're going to end up with that draft they're going to in the in number two in the Caitlin Clark draft is somewhat of a tough place to be even if there's a lot of great talent there but it, it speaks to the fact that the storm I think Brendan Everything you said, even with Stewie leaving and Superd retiring, they had they kept an identity to what that franchise is and what it's about. I don't know what the Sparks identity is without mm-hmm. like they they now have to figure that out. Even if they have infrastructure there and a, a name coach and all that stuff. Yeah, it's one of the more bizarre things in the WNBA. I think whatever has been going on with the Sparks, they played in a convention center at one point. Um, they hired Derek Fisher for God knows what reason, a while back, they obviously had some level of drama with uh, previous management. And they seem to be getting more stable with the owner being less involved, 
they now have a president permanently and a GM permanently that are not the owner. They have Kurt Miller as the coach who is a well-respected guy that has been in deep postseason runs most of the time that he has been a head coach in the league. I think this is sort of just a reset. And, you know, Neka Gwimike, as much as she meant, and I think as as sort of much as you might have liked the idea of, hey, we can reset and keep her. That would have been maybe the, the win-win here. At age, what is she? Like, she's 33, going to be 34. It makes sense to say goodbye to that at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that they're just headed toward, you know, hopefully some momentum upward with a younger type of rebuilding squad. And whether it's Paige Beckers or it is Cameron Brink or whoever they choose to draft, that that will be the next Neko Ogumike for them. And somebody who can win MVPs and, you know, take the team back to the finals like they were for a while there. But, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a bleak situation for them as things currently stand. It's just, you know, kind of has to happen. And hopefully that next era can maybe bring on the investment that I think is way past due here, where they don't have a practice facility. They are like the fourth tenant at Crypto.com Arena and just don't really have the level of like you compare it to the Liberty, right? That building's rocking. And yes, it helps to have the ownership be the same of the Nets and the Liberty, but who cares? You know, it's a huge city that loves basketball and they show out for the WNBA team. There's no reason the Sparks can't have that. 100% agree. Uh, last thing on this, are the Storm title contenders now? I think, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they already had Jewel Lloyd. Skylar Diggins-Smith has played at a high level whenever she's been on the court. And, you know, she's obviously a little older now, but she is only 33 herself. I would expect that to continue. They have young players around the roster on top of these these veteran stars. So, yeah, I, I mean, we'll see how they fill it out, but I don't know if they're up there with the Aces and Liberty. I don't know if the next team we're going to talk about is quite there, but we at least now have four bona fide threats, whereas last year we were struggling to find three. Speaking of the next thing, is in your backyard, the Phoenix Mercury have traded for Clea Copper with the Chicago Sky. Gave up, among other, among players, among picks, their third overall pick in the upcoming 2024 draft. And, Britain, that's that's where I want to start with this. Is is a trade for Copper, and mm-hmm. I, I think I'm essentially saying, win now, we have uh, a splashy head coach hire, we have... Donna Tarasi still around, and, and how long, much longer are we even going to have her? We have Griner, we have Brittany Griner around. We're the Phoenix Mercury. We don't, you know, rebuild. We don't, we're not going to worry about retooling. We're saying, what can we do right now? Is this a smart move for the Mercury to pursue something for the present, as opposed to maybe using that pick on on a Beckers, on, on a Cameron Brink, or someone of that ilk, and and thinking a little more long term. Yeah, so here's the thing. I'm not convinced Paige Beckers is leaving, personally, when you just think about her injury history, the fact that she is kind of finally just starting to get back to where she was, and the fact that I think most people would say, with how much injuries have once again struck that UConn roster, that I don't think that they're at the talent level of the rest of the top of of women's college basketball right now, meaning they're facing an uphill battle to really make a deep run 
in the tournament this year. That would all lead me to believe, combined with one of the players who did get hurt for that team being her best friend, Azzy Fudd, I just sort of feel like she may come back. And so that means a, a draft where we thought, you know, maybe it's a clear top three becomes a little muddied. And so I think that's part of this. But there's a, another couple of things, right? You mentioned Tarasi is on the final year of her contract. She is playing in the Olympics. Uh, never thought we would see her. I didn't even think she'd play in the 2020 Olympics, Chris. And here she is. Um, and then Brittany Griner. Well, just to say, Dinah Tarasi is 41 years old. Mm-hmm. That's that's really old. She'll be she'll turn 42 August of next year. She'll be a 42 year old player in the W mm-hmm. next season. That yep. That's, so yeah, and she and, and I think she'll retire. I think this th- I think this is kind of it would would be my assumption. But again, I've pretty much said that for the past five years. So don't listen to me. Brittany Griner's a free agent. They still need to resign her. So, but I think most people have assumed that will be a one year contract. Maybe that's different now that there is kind of an extension of this window with Natasha Cloud and Rebecca Allen also being signed for two years. Maybe Griner goes for two. Regardless, um, they have all those things, putting pressure on them to kind of win now. They also don't have their draft pick next year. So unless they drafted somebody at three in April that was good enough to elevate an aging Tarasi, uh, you know, Griner who's still coming back to her physical prime if, if she can get there, um, unless they got somebody so great to make them like fully good again, they were likely to have a really lost season where they're not an actual threat to win the championship, but they also don't get their draft pick. So I think it was sort of go one direction or the other fully tear down, which probably not going to happen with a new owner and those superstar legends on the team or try to reboot as quickly as possible. So they went that route. And I mean, man, they really went that route, just like the Suns did with Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant. They now get Kalia Copper, uh, a finals MVP who beat them two years ago, three years ago now. And uh, Natasha Cloud, a great role player, and Rebecca Allen, a great role player. So they'll be right there too, I think, with the previous team we talked about in Seattle and then the two who faced off in the finals last October. I'm right there with you. I am I am always a little hesitant about teams that are so in the now like this and I, what is the upside? Because you could see this going wrong, I think, pretty easily just based on age and and all of that. Like, you just could. And is the WNBA draft necessarily... Like, you just wouldn't see that. Part of the fun of the W, Brendan, is you don't, you, you don't really get this kind of trade in the NBA anymore. Teams just don't trade picks in the top five. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that we still get this. Um, and, and to your point, you know, there's some, there are some interesting players. If, if the Phoenix had kept this pick and Becker goes back, but like, are they a Cardoso team when they have Brittany Grider? Probably not. And like, then are you reaching for other things? Like, it gets tricky for them. I think if you're looking at just like value in the boards, yeah, it becomes a little dicey for them. It, it's not an easy place to be either when you have Tarasi. Like, I am all four teams. No. You. You have a legend like that, arguably the best player to ever play in the league, one of the defining three players in the league at worst. And she's on the back nine of her career. You can't exactly say, like, hey, we're going to like draft a rookie that we don't know exactly how she fits with someone you've had a lot of success with. I don't, I don't know how you sell that to her. And then at that point, is she in, or can you even like trade her? Like, it's very complicated, I think, just to navigate all of that. 
Yeah, it, it's been where they've kind of been stuck for a while. And so I think it's it's pretty impressive to pull out of that and actually have stars around them. You know, I, I didn't know if it would be possible, but they were able to pull it off because they were so bad last year. Now they turned that that failure into a, a trade opportunity. And I think the good thing here is, you know, again, to, to emphasize why these moves happen. Clea Copper was thought to be off the board. She was supposed to be a free agent this offseason, but she extended like three, four months ago toward the very, very end of the regular season last year. She signed an extension to stay in Chicago and Neko Gumake, who we just talked about, and Skylar Diggins-Smith, I, I believe both of those players met with the Sky. They didn't want to go there. They have also had questionable leadership and, and inconsistent investment. Candace Parker went there, won a championship, and then pieced out immediately for some of those reasons. And now already, Kalia Copper is like, well, you know, if, if you guys can't actually pull off what you said you were going to pull off, I'm out too. And But she's only 29. So I think no matter what happens in the future for the Mercury, whether they still have a little bit of a rocky road with saying goodbye to Diana or whatever happens with, with BG and they're not that deep of a team. If both of those players were to leave next year, they're kind of scrambling a bit. Um, there's no parity in the WNBA. It's it's very top and bottom heavy. So you can sort of fix things in a summer, if you, in, a, in an off season, if you really need to. And I think they're just kind of betting on that. Our new core is is copper and cloud and then whatever else around that from there. And you could do a lot worse because... You know, we've talked about this with the with the NBA, with our speed dating and stuff, Chris. I mean, uh, I, I think I'm a big winner in this trade because I, you know, we love Anthony Edwards on this show and and players like that. Clea Copper is a match made in heaven if that is your style of basketball. And for me, the answer is uh, it is, and I will be attending a lot of these games. They were such a bummer to watch. So, uh, W for Brendan. Big W for Brendan. All right, uh, last remaining w- WNBA story out there feels like it is. Elena Deladon that that feels like kind of the big domino left to be figured out yeah. and I did like a quick Google search before I said that and the latest report was someone uh, out, out of your neck of the woods reporting she wants to play for the Aces or the Mercury and she's cored by the Mystics so like I, I don't really know what's going on there if I'm being honest yeah she's not going to be able to play for the Aces I mean unless she yeah it's not going to happen so the Mercury I, I don't I just this was their move I think Copper is a better bet to make because of her uh, much younger age and two-way ability, things like that. She just brings a a two-way athleticism to this team that's desperately needed for what was an old team before this. I think they made the right call. And, you know, not to get too in the weeds on some of the other stuff, but Connecticut brought back their two free agents, not leaving a lot of space for any sort of move to get Deladon. That was a team we had talked about for her because of the proximity. Feels like things are drying up. I'm not really sure what, what she's going to do at this point. And it sucks for her to have to, if she had to play a season on a, on a kind of a tanking team or, or whatever, but there's only 12 teams and only like half of them want to win. So we'll see what happens. Markets are going to market is, is where this ends up. All right, before we move on to discussing 
all-star, or excuse me, trade deadline awards in different categories. We're going to look at some big picture questions as well. want to tell you, our, our friends at Homage, Homage is the ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company with NBA and WNBA licenses that use vintage-inspired designs to pay homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. Use the link below, make your purchase, and support us here at the Just Basketball Show. They just dropped a new NBA collection of crewnecks with different kind of crests that you should go check out if you're in the need of some NBA swag this winter. All kinds of great stuff at Homage. Check them out right now. All right, 10 awards we have here to preview the the NBA trade deadline, Brendan. Uh, we got some big picture questions to start with first. Why don't we start there? Which one you you came up with the big picture questions? I came up with the awards. Is how we broke down the, the the labor here at the Just Basketball Show. Let's which big 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 picture question do you want to start with first? Yeah, let's start up at the top, at the very top of the NBA, uh, player wise, talent wise, individual wise. I think what we've learned about the NBA the past couple years. And maybe this changes as we see the ramifications of the new CBA, but we're still in this era, I think. And, I, you know, I've called it like a trade and extension league. And what that tends to mean if everything is so dependent on trades is it's less so back when we were like, you know, maybe growing up watching this stuff play out, Chris, of is X guy going to get traded as an expiring contract so that he can sign with the team that wants him. We used to see deals like that, you know, Carmelo Anthony or wherever else you want to look. And that's kind of gone. Instead, it's really just a revolving door of anybody can be traded at any time, but when are they going to get traded? Uh, and sometimes the answer ends up being never because there's a, a new contract or an extension or, or it just, they win and, and the problems go away. But doesn't seem like it's going to be Donovan Mitchell any time in the foreseeable future with how well Cleveland's playing. It doesn't feel like Carl Anthony Towns is is on the table. I would even say the Warriors guys, Chris, are, are unlikely to be dealt, although there's some Clay Thompson noise persisting. I just kind of doubt that that's going to happen. Uh, so my question is, what star players might we be overlooking? Not Not for two days from now, but who are we forgetting about that may be traded sooner than we think or we maybe thought could be a candidate to move at this deadline that we shouldn't forget about? Does anybody come to mind for you in that category of kind of these under-the-radar stars that could be the next Kevin Durant all of a sudden or, or something like that? It's hard to say because... Everything feels just a little settled right now. And I almost feel like we are waiting for the playoffs to happen before we can answer this. I You could have said, like, Embiid pre-injury could have been that come the winner. Um, if things had gone bad there, but they were really good now, he's hurt. Is Trey Young the answer? Like, is Trey Young kind of the, the only one considering where the Hawks are at, considering... I think his reputation has kind of sunk a little bit. If you look through the standings and you just look for named guys in the league right now... He feels like the one to me in the that there's not there's not really one to me in the West. I think it's it's Trey Young. I, I think is where okay. I would I would go with that. Okay, I think it could be, 
But this goes back to the conversation we had last week about him as an all-star and turns out he was a replacement. They announced that right before we, we hit record. Um, respect to Jared Allen. Free Jared Allen from NBA hell. Why did he not get in? Scotty Barnes and Trey Young over over our guy Jared. Yeah. Um, and, and Porzingis. Porzingis also and should, Porzingis. should feel aggrieved by not getting in. But, so okay, he's an all-star. But I... I threw it at you last week of has has the league kind of passed over the Trey Young moment is that over in terms of fans the league treating him like a, a centerpiece teams thinking of him that way I don't know how many teams are thinking outside of the god awful ones that would take would say yes to anything I don't know how many teams are, are looking at, at their roster and their situation and thinking we're Trey Young on a max headed toward a super max away from what we want to be. I think that's why he doesn't get brought up. I think it's sort of settled to me that the Hawks are just going to revamp around him. And, you know, they're going to trade DeJounte. You know, we'll see what happens with like Bogdanovich or Capella or DeAndre Hunter. But kind of feels like they're just going to go into next season with like a roster that ideally makes a little more sense for Quinn Snyder centered on Trey and Jalen Johnson. And I think it's kind of feels like he's resigned to that, too. I just don't think that noise is there because I'm not sure what the market would be. Yeah, I guess the the idea to me in answering that that way is like sometimes there is no noise and it just kind of happens like and just takes one little trickle of noise. You did a name come to mind for you if you don't think it's yeah. Trey, I have three. Oh boy, okay, hit me. Think I was going to ask a question and not have an answer to my own thing? Why? That would be a, a bad uh, bad well, prompt. Some... I'd just be throwing you out to dry there. So, I mean, look, sometimes I ask questions in part, I part like even on shows, and it's maybe not always the best podcasting, but. I tend to want to ask questions that I sometimes am stumping myself with. So if you would have done that to me, I would uh, I would have understood that. So let's stay in the East for one. And this is not a surprise name by any means, but it's just one that, because of the nature of, of his team's season and, and his season, has just gone quiet a little bit. But it's sort of Carl Anthony Towns East to me, which is Jalen Brown. Yeah. Is Jalen Brown on the Celtics to start next season, no matter what happens the rest of the way? It feels if I just ask you that question and you can't say if they win the championship, throw that answer out. That's that's obvious. But if I just asked you and you take everything into consideration, do you think he's on the team next next October twentieth or whatever? I I kind of want to say no, just from like a pure money perspective, just a pure what can we afford perspective. Yeah, they have a player option for Drew Holiday that kicks in next year at $39.4 million. Jalen's contract kicks in at 52. Tatum is at 34.8. Porzingis, 29. Derek White, last year of his deal at 19.6. So maybe they, they can look at it and just say, everybody's under contract through next season. Let's not panic, especially if they were to win the championship and it's sort of the run it back mentality because Horford is also expiring next season and he you know, maybe he retires after that. But I also think that there could just be some value in saying like, especially if they maybe don't win the championship, hey, we're just going to flip Jalen into some other stuff and 
reset the team as like a Tatum Porzingis white centered group and go from there. So I just think we've kind of forgotten that this whole looming thing we all talked about before they came out and stomped everybody for the first half of this year isn't going away again, kind of like cat uh, Paul George. Why is he not signed his extension yet? Yeah, that's actually, that's a really great one considering I kind of, I, you kind of would have just thought he was just going to sign the extension once Kawhi did and the comments he gave kind of led you to think they're just going to figure it out and it was closer and yet it's, significantly after that and it hasn't happened. So that's a good one. It just feels like hard for them to trade him as well. Um, just considering like where they're well, at. Well, if they didn't sign him to an extension, he would be a free agent, would be with yeah, the thing true. with him. That's true. Hmm. Yeah. I just I'll keep be- looking at, at, his, at his situation and how quick a lot of other people I hear are to extinguish Philly's cap space hopes. And I'm like, why don't we wait till he's signed on that dotted line before we say they don't have any targets? Because if he's available and he does enter free agency, I mean, I would call that a pretty damn good target for Philadelphia. He'd, he'd be the one. All right, who's your third one? Uh, this one is a little... It, it might be actually a good one to segue us into the trade deadline stuff. And it's a player you threw at me a minute ago, uh, last, last week. Um, Uh and I think I just extinguished it and said, no, there's no way. Uh, Anthony Simons. Did I throw Anthony Simons at you? This is where we're at. It's just, everything's a blur. Yeah. We talked, well, we talked about Portland. I don't know if it was last week, but definitely I think around Jeremy Grant and some of that stuff. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And you were like, well, what about trading Simons? And I said, well, he's too good. But, yeah, I know this rings a bell. Yeah, okay, we're com- we're back. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he does still play the same position as two guys younger than him, and he's on an amazing contract. I wouldn't be selling like get rid of him just to like clear space for Scoot or something, but I would definitely be thinking long and hard about if I want to give him his next contract in a couple years. And be yeah. wanting to get in front of that if the answer is I don't want to give him that contract. I think, too, part of this with him, Brendan, is we're in a situation where I, I, I think, except Paul George, because it's for into part of it, I think you could see some of these trades, some of these hypotheticals be something that teams just say, can we wait till the draft? And that's been some of the reporting on Kuzma's and some of these other guys that are theoretically on the market. Some some teams I think are just maybe saying, "Can I just wait until the summer and get better value?" I I think we're seeing that with some of this and with Simons. Like, why are you in a rush to trade him now? Maybe not. Um, George is kind of the one, and like obviously Boston is like not trading Jalen Brown right now. Like, there'd be. Can you imagine if they were tomorrow? Like, hey, we traded Jalen Brown. Well, or just like you know what I mean. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying, though. Is like. This is not a why aren't these teams trading these guys yeah. list. This is a don't forget about these guys as we're thinking about their teams right now, their teams heading into the offseason, their teams maybe adding other guys at this deadline. Because again, it is also connected, right? Like Portland with Simon, who I just brought up. Brogdon 
has been making his own campaign to not get traded. <laughs> Just telling everybody within your shot, don't, I don't want to be going anywhere. Please don't send me anywhere. And it's like, great. And he's only under contract for one more year beyond this. But if I'm thinking of, well, do we want to resign Brogdon? Do, you know, like, are we going to try to use cap space at any point? When is our team going to be ready to win? Is Simon's part of that, right? And so it's something to be thinking about. I don't think it, it ever was going to happen at this deadline, but it would not surprise me, like you just said, if it happened on draft night or in the in, in July sometime. Uh, my, my other big picture question is shorter. Okay. Has the NBA done what it needed to do in its mission, its its goal, to weed out tanking? So there's two ways to answer this. I think in terms of like optics and is there a team that is doing what the Sixers did in processing? The answer to that is no. So there's not a, a like a discourse and a headline stuff around it. Jake Fisher was just talking about this with Adam Mars and like they're over on their show and... Uh, with the, that was the inspiration guys. for the question. Okay. Okay. Look at us, hive mind. But, like, they're still really shitty teams is the thing. Like, it's just not – they're teams that are bad, and I think teams that are okay with being bad. And then there are the Pistons who I don't think want it to be this bad but are this bad. And so I, th- I think you've gotten rid of tanking in this in the way that, like, you was defined by Sam Hinkie and the way it was operated by Sam Hinkie, but I don't think you're you've gotten – rid of really bad teams that are actually okay with losing and, and biding their time to reset in some way. Yeah. <clears throat> There's obviously still terrible teams, right? Like, but that's natural. And I, and I do think the optics are the part of it that is important. Like, as we talk about these deadline possibilities, it's like, you know, I mentioned Brogdon, Washington, you mentioned with Kuzma. Detroit, still like an open question if they're going to get rid of Burks or Bogdanovich. They, at some point, were talking about actually adding Zach Levine rather than getting rid of anybody. And Charlotte, um, they got rid of Rogier. We'll see what happens with Hayward, although it sounds like he doesn't want to buy out. Uh, so we'll see. Get that back, That's- Gordon. Keep just getting the checks. Get those bird rights, my guy. Smart. Smart stuff. That's four teams, right? And then San Antonio, who probably doesn't have a lot to sell, that don't want to bottom out, you know? Like, even what the Grizzlies have done and and Toronto. Like, there's no team that comes up on the schedule. The Wizards are just really hurt right now, so they've looked pretty pretty awful. But there's really not a team on the schedule that you look at and you're like, oh, well, like, they're not even, they actually want us to beat them. You know what I mean? And for a while, like, I think when you and I were, like, coming up, being around games and stuff, that was, like, weekly, you know? You would circle on whatever team you covered's calendar and be like, yeah, that that's that's a win. Because it, it just, I mean, I covered one of those teams. That was, that was the win on the calendar during Booker's early years in Phoenix. So they've moved on from that. And I think that really contributes to these deadlines now where nobody seems to be in a hurry to just tear it tear down to the you know to the roots and and just lose as much as possible that's not really on anybody's list of goals anymore in the nba and 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 i think that's part of why these role players don't move around as much so that's why i wanted to throw it out before we get into some of these things because if it does become a quietish 
deadline after the f- various moves we've already had. I think that'll be a big reason why. Let's get into our awards here. Uh, we're going to go back and forth. Some of these are have these awards for both conferences, and then we have some big picture league-wide ones we'll finish with. Uh, really, one we'll finish with in that case. So, Brendan, player who needs a trade, Eastern Conference edition. I'm going to go first. I wanted this to be Zach Levine because we, he the, the Bulls had a damn team meeting the first night of the season, and it was they were trying to trade him for months, and then he gets hurt, and his season's done, and howdy-doody. So, good job, Chicago Bulls. Thank you for just being the Chicago Bulls, I guess. Mm-hmm. My answer is Bruce Brown, which is not a very, like, sexy star answer. But can I just get Bruce – can we just get Bruce Brown to, like, a, a team that's going to be in the playoffs and make some noise? Like, that guy's a playoff 16-game player. All due respect to Toronto, let's just let's just get him somewhere where he's going to play playoff basketball and actually kind of fulfill what he's supposed to be in the NBA. My theory on Bruce Brown, I'm, I'm very happy that you brought him up. I, I, I did a TikTok about trade options for him when he first got to Toronto, and I had like mm-hmm. 40 ideas that I tried to shove in there. So apologies to anybody who follows us there. I you know didn't, didn't do my best work. No, but, but the main no, one that I wanted... Maximus content. Maximus content, Brendan. You're, you're a king. You're good. The one that I wanted to highlight here is I have a hunch about Bruce Brown that, and I watched this up close growing up in Phoenix with Steve Nash where like, you know, shout out to the Knuckleheads podcast, but the pinnacle of Quentin Richardson's career was playing with Steve Nash. The pinnacle of like Marchin Gortat's career, you know, Dwight Howard's backup in the finals, if you even remember who that is, obviously played with the Wizards for a while too. Um, Polish Hammer. Like a lot of his best years were with Nash for a bit there at the beginning of, of his career. So I think Bruce Brown is just a like $20 million player next to Nikola Jokic and that's it. I think, I think that's kind of what he is. So I'm, I'm really skeptical of what, of what he'll do. Like he, he's putting up numbers. He's been fine in Indiana. Did you ever watch a, a Pacers game or, or look at a box score or go on, you know, Twitter or Instagram the night after a game and be like wowed out of your mind about something Bruce Brown did this season? Not really, no. but you were thinking that when he played next to Joker. So I think he has to be in a very set circumstance to thrive. And I, I don't know where that is. I don't know if he'll end up somewhere where he makes a huge impact, honestly, unfortunately, but maybe he goes back to Denver this summer. Yeah. Um, Who's your answer for this in the East? Kuzma. So I have him in player who doesn't need a trade. So let's just okay. talk about him. I just don't think... <laughs> so we feel like, a polar opposite about him. Yeah. Yeah. After we, we would chalk on all-stars. Yeah. We well, why don't you think he needs a trade? You like you like him just destroying his prime in a team that is like the worst watch in the NBA in Washington? Look, I... I'm just a little bit of Kuzma skeptical that he can just he can go and like midseason just like rewire himself and like be like a higher paid version of Dorian Finney Smith on a title contender. Like I just don't know if that guy is like hundred percent just there to figure that out. I'm a little skeptical of that. I also just think you can figure this out in the summer and do a kind of a more natural reset with him and trading him now, I just 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 let him do his thing for like six more months. It's fine. Like 
I I just I don't ha- I didn't have like a great answer for this in the East as part of this, and I just I'm just not particularly moved by Kyle Kuzma in one way or the other. In the way that like Bruce Brown, I am interested. Dorian Finney-Smith, I am interested. I could have picked him for our last question and put him in. Just say let's get him to a contender. Like that guy should just be on a better team than he is. Kuzma right now, I just don't know exactly how I I feel about him as as a guy that's going to scale up in that way. Even though like he I think could be more. It's just. The habit yeah. the last couple of years is not a one-to-one translation and playing for Philly or whatever team might go get him. Well, I think to your point, it's it probably is more like scaling down than scaling up, right? It's like just... But I, I guess to me, it's like he really was for the first, five, I would say, five years of his career kind of was that, that type of role player. And it's only been the past two that he's upped his jack and shot stuff up to a ridiculous level. So I guess I trust it. You know, if it was Dallas, if it was, I don't love it in Sacramento, but I could see it, you know, places like that. I think he could just become a shooter, a cutter, a second unit scorer guard up, like not the best guy on the opponent on the opposing team, but maybe the second best and you feel decent about it. He's huge. He can rebound, but yeah, I, I don't think it, it's somebody who would have like, if the Mavs did get him that I'm going to be like, they're the favorites, you know, it's, he's not that yeah. type of guy, but Dallas is the one that you could like slide him in though. And it would just like, he would, the structure of the team doesn't allow freelancing because of Luca and Kyrie. Like he just like, yeah. Kuzma, you do this. And there's not yeah. many other situations that would fit him better than that. If you wanted him just to be a very specific thing. Player who doesn't need to trade in the East. I have Jaden Ivey. Yeah, it's a great one. Don't get rid of Jaden Ivey. Detroit Pistons. I think that no matter how high or low you might have been on him, draft night 2023 or even at Purdue, we always knew he was going to be a project. We always knew that, you know, his decision-making, his just getting anything from him defensively in that frame at that size is is a big ask. His jump shot, of course, was a, an open question. But I look now, and he's shooting 53% from two. His turnover rate is down from 17 to 15 this year, while his usage has stayed pretty steady. His true shooting percentage, because of that, Efficiency from two is, is basically league average. His defensive, you know, impact stats are awful. That's fine. They've been awful, so I don't expect anything different. But I don't look at this and feel nervous about it. And I think if you were to trade him now, it would be trading incredibly low from a team standpoint, from a him being off out of the rotation for so long standpoint and tanking his value. If I'm trading Jaden Ivey, it's to get somebody that's pretty damn good next to Cade Cunningham, not just to say, I want Zach Levine or let me clear the guard rotation out or whatever nonsense they would do. So it doesn't sound like they're going to trade him. I'm not saying that that's like on the table, but I'm glad it's not because it felt like a couple months ago it might have been. I did enjoy, Brendan, that we did get a, during all of this, get a Killian Hayes want out bit of slop. We also got a Monty Williams, like, axe to trade that was on, that was, like, pretty much agreed to, to get Killian out of Detroit before the season even started last summer. Cool. So glad that all worked out for everybody, and now he wants out anyway, and he's not playing minutes. Very foreseeable. 
he is not on my doesn't need a trade list. I actually would not make any lists because he's an inconsequential guy that for some reason was starting games during a big losing streak for the worst team in the NBA. Very, uh, very strange roller coaster ride. Who's your East team that needs a trade? So Philly was my pick. So I want to preface that. Philly was my pick because you had an opportunity. You had Embiid playing at this monster level. Maxi's legit. You have the assets to do it. Just go do it. You can never take Embiid for granted how long he's going to be healthy. And then Joel Embiid gets hurt. And I, I have, I'm having a hard time reconciling some of the Philly stuff, which we, we can talk about if we want to. But I'm having a hard time like deciding, okay, is he going to miss a month? Is he is he reevaluating the month? There's like a lot of mystery still about what this injury is going to look like for him. Is it even in, I mean, my real thought is, Brendan, is it even in Embiid's best interest to play again this year for the long-term health of his career, considering this is like another injury? Like these are all things that I, as not a doctor and not qualified answer, but are racking through my brain as I'm thinking about Philly. I wanted to say the 76ers. My dead have changed my answer to the Orlando Magic who I just want to go get some kind of competent veteran guard to just do something for them, maybe do something with the Wendell Carter uh, Jr. salary, which has been kind of speculated a lot about with them and reported a lot about for them. I just think they, they, considering their slide from as high as number two in the East to where they are now, I think they just need something else in there to make life easier for Paolo, make life easier for Franz, and just kind of stabilize what that team is. Um, there's uh, you, Miami's already made a trade. You could argue them as well, I think, just considering they feel kind of weird. But I wanted to say Philly. My answer here is is Orlando. I love this. I have Orlando as the team that does not need to make a trade in the East. Oh my god! Look at us. Why not? And it's kind of similar. It's kind of similar to the Kuzma thing you said. I just think integrating. You're not talking about like okay, if they made a trade to get like a shooter. I don't even know who that would be another Gary Harris type. I'm not going to argue with that. Like whatever. Um, Jake Fisher had it listed as like, they wouldn't go out of their way to get somebody even as good as Kevin Herter. So doesn't sound like they're interested in that, but if they did something like that, of course I'm fine with it. The problem that I have with the magic is what they need is probably the hardest single thing to integrate into a team. Something that even if you have a training camp, doesn't get ironed out even in time for opening night for a lot of teams. So a point guard, and you've heard like Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry and whatever, that's a lot to ask of everybody involved to, to make that guy make sense for the two months we have left in the season, let alone to even be, you know, a positive impact come playoff time, really shepherding your offense along. So I'm kind of with them where I am, where a lot of other people seem to be with the thunder where I'm like, yeah, it sucks that that Franz had the injury. You don't have the advantage in the standings. You might have to fight through the play in and whatever, but I just want to see what that all looks like. They have a core that, you know, so take what happens in the playoffs, learn from it, Decide if Fultz is somebody you want to resign long-term. Decide what Cole Anthony's role is for you. See if Anthony Black is anything. Maybe play him in another summer league and have another camp with him and see what that all looks like. And then you can make a more educated decision, but panicking into getting somebody just to have it, it, it feels like it wouldn't even pay off as much as we think because of how little time they would have to gel. 
I think that's right. I think I want them to buy long-term, but the market might just not be there. I just think that team in general just like needs something different long-term, and, and maybe if you could buy now, but to your point, that's kind of hard to buy and integrate right now and kind of save your season. And I don't think I framed that correctly when I talked about it. So who's your team that that needs to trade most? The Hawks. Yeah, this is this is this is the one that I just it felt so obvious. I wanted to be a little bit of a hipster and like not say the Hawks because it just feels like they're going to make like if any team's going to make multiple trades on Thursday, it feels like it's going to be Atlanta. But what's crazy is, and the reason that I, I did just go ahead and pull the trigger and and say them, even though they're obvious somewhat, is they've been playing not terribly lately. And so, I mean, they're terrible on defense, but we know that. But they're five and five in their last 10, nothing to write home about. But they've been, they, they beat the Suns. They've been, they were competitive with the Clippers. They had another win in there. Did they beat Boston? Somebody else recently. And over the last two weeks, they have the best offense in the NBA by, uh, it's it's them and the Clippers kind of head to head. And then there's a big gap to three. So you look at that, plus the fact that they're 10th in the East. And, you know, I would expect Brooklyn to get a little worse at the deadline. Maybe Chicago does too. Hey, we could get to six, seven, uh, not six. We could get to, to seven or eight host a play-in game like we did last year and see what happens like i i think that 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 could convince them to just do it but i think the ultimate destiny of this team as i mentioned when we talked about trade at the beginning chris is something with more athleticism around trey and it was actually making me think not to get on too big of a hawks tangent but if they had just nailed the deandre hunter pick if he had just hit his ceiling, how differently we would feel about this team. Imagine if they had like the peak of what we thought DeAndre Hunter could be ahead of that draft when he was at Virginia, plus Jalen Johnson now. Like that's the Trey Young team, but they don't have that. So I think the best thing to do is to try to flip whatever you can to, to find what that version of your roster can look like. Because offensively, he's the real deal and he's going to be good enough to, to give you a shot at a play, playoff spot no matter what. But you got to do better on the rest of the roster, obviously, because they're six games below 500. Dejounte Murray getting traded? Do you think? Yes or no? He's been shooting the ball so damn well. I kind of feel like the Lakers. The Lakers probably put a pretty damn good offer on the table. Would be my guess. I think that that they feel enough pressure that they say. Whatever we were saying no to before, we we now say yes to. I don't know if that includes Reeves, probably not, but everything short of that, Christie or whatever else hold up might have been. And then at that point, it's just is is Atlanta going to say yes? What do you think? I think yes. Uh, I I also just like want one like name more more name trade. I just want one more kind of seismic adjustment in the league. And if Zach Levine can't get traded, let's get the other guy who's let's just get the other guy who's been in eight bajillion rumors in the last two months. And is better. And is and is better. Also clutch, though. Um, so, okay. So, my, your team that does need a trade is the Orlando Magic. But mine's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hmm. What 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 are they going to get with the salary? Like, this is both a practical thing, because I don't really know what they can trade that is exactly going to improve them in a real way. Yeah. But, like, this team's just playing really good basketball. As good of basketball as they've historically played without LeBron in the last 20 years to start the year. They're two and they enter the as we're recording, it's enter Tuesday's slate of games second in the East. 
They got Bobby back. He hit three threes against the Spurs. He's looked awesome in the first couple games back and been very aggressive. Garland's going to take a little more time to round out, I think. But Okoro's playing really well as a two as a two way wing. You're getting enough from Levert, and I don't know what you're even like getting for flipping Levert. Like if you're going to tell me you could trade Levert for like a better fitting wing, I would do it. But I don't know if you're going to get like Dorian Finney-Smith for like Levert in some seconds. I, it seems like it's going to be a first for DFS if he's going to get moved at this deadline based on all the reporting. I just don't see like a glaring need for this team. Even backup guard, which is one of the things they've been linked to is getting the trade. Like this team doesn't have like room in the rotation for a backup guard. And if you need depth, Craig Porter Jr. just convert him to a, a real contract and you're fine. And I think that's like good enough for considering you have luxury tax concerns and all and all of that to kind of manage as well. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to get anything. So I think that's why they don't make a deal. I just think... But they're definitely they a need, summer team. Do but do they need to make a trade? Is there any kind of trade that, like need that you think they could address right now if they were going to make a deal? No, because anything that I mean, they're at a point with how their roster is built that any anything that they could do that you would convince yourself would make them substantially better, it would be a massive shift for what their roster is, and that's not going to happen in February of a season where you're a top team in your conference. So, no, I mean. Could you potentially rejigger the roster to where whatever it's going to look like when Mobley is at center and you get something for Allen that helps you build that type of a roster? Yeah, that's not going to happen tomorrow. So um, that's that's my take on on them is just like, no. Are you going to get something for Dean Wade or even even Levert? I, I don't even think the trade you said would, oh, okay, uh, okay, you know, they have Dorian Finney-Smith now. I don't think that changes much either. So, no, I think that they're, I think this has been an awesome season for them and the rest of the way is going to be, can they get the two guys who were hurt back up to full health in time for the playoffs and maybe prove themselves to be a little more ready for that moment than they were last year. And that would be a success for them, you know? So, West, I have some yeah, takes I have some takes here. They're a little uh, spicier than the East. Okay, so let's go to Team West. Who needs to trade the most? Who's your Who's your? Let's go player. Sorry, let's start with player. Keep it congruent. Using math words here, Brendan. Who's the player in the West that most needs to trade? Jalen Green. I love this. I love the spice here, and this has been percolating in in all kinds of columns. You can read about the Jalen Green situation a bunch of places. Make the case. So, it's multi-pronged. Rockets fans read us for filth for the segment we did on them last week. I don't know if you checked the YouTube comments. They think we're idiots. I honestly will say... I'm not going to... This is going to probably make them more mad at me. I think they're the Rockets fans, the most obnoxious fan base on the internet. I want to get in good with Rockets fans because uh, I they're like You're, my little fascination. You you and Eric Adams just really want to like bend fences with the Turkish government is what I, I think you want to do. Oh, sure. Um, no, so, okay, it's a few things. We talked last week about them skipping steps. I've been on that all season. I think that they, they already did and and seem to continue to want to do that. The Mikhail Bridges stuff... Makes more sense when you consider what I'm not sure has ever been concretely reported, but the assumption of the picks being given actually just being the Nets picks back to them. Yeah, it it makes more sense that way. I'm not actually sure. Like, I don't know how close that ever got, but if that was it, okay, 
mea culpa. I'm sorry. I am an idiot about the Rockets. That all being said, I think Jalen Green should get traded for their version of a Michael Carter Williams trade, not to get a superstar. That's the specific context that I think Jalen Green should get traded for. Sam Hinkie, fresh off of MCW winning Rookie of the Year, trades him for another set of future stuff to keep the rebuild going. That's sort of what I would do if I'm Houston. Continue to replenish your assets, get stuff for when you do make that star trade, but you're not ready for it yet. The reason I think the time is right to do that, though, is that I think Cam Whitmore is the real fucking deal. I think that that guy is very, very, very good. And like, if I'm Houston, he might just be what I thought Jalen Green was. And I want to know that sooner than later, especially if I can sell a little high on Jalen Green relatively. We don't know. It could be low. Who could is, be high. I think he, it might be who, high. Who is extension eligible in the summer? Who will be rookie yeah. extension eligible in, in a few months? You got to... Exactly. It's going to forces your hand a little bit you gotta know something about him and make a decision about him sooner than later so all that kind of just adds up to i would absolutely listen to offers from maybe bad teams or middle teams centered on young players and picks and and add even more to my stockpile while clearing some space for guys like Whitmore, Amen Thompson, whoever I draft this year and beyond. That that's where I would do it. But I'm not saying to trade Jalen Green for Donovan Mitchell or something. I don't think they should do that. Do you have a do you have a fit you like for Jalen Green if you he were to get moved? Uh anywhere. I mean I think his skill set, if it hits is valuable anywhere. I mean, I wouldn't mind him in Toronto. Mm. I wouldn't mind him. Hmm. Toronto, <laughs> Utah, Utah seems to be in on a lot of different upside guys. Throw him, Danny, throw him with the Danny, jazz. Danny Ainge is so back being linked to like everybody right now. He's so back. Yeah. Let the jazz almost trade for him. Yeah, be great. All right, my I, I love this take. This is better. Yours is better than mine. I went Andrew Wiggins. Okay. I, I, I just think Andrew Wiggins might need a reset again to kind of rehabilitate his career a little bit. It just something is off with him there. I know he's been through a lot, but something is not quite right with that Warriors team. I you could you could try to talk me into the Clay thing. I just would rather see. I want. I just Clay trading Clay just does not feel right to me. I feel like Wiggins mm-hmm. is kind of the guy you trade, you reset, you get some more removal pieces, and he can try to try to restart somewhere else and, and figure out what the next phase of his career post Golden State is going to look like. So that my answer is Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins' middle name is needs a career reset. So every two, uh, every two I don't years, think Golden State around. is the problem would would be my thing with, uh, with I, Mr. Wiggins. I, I would agree. Remember when the, the Wolves were their, their core was Levine, Wiggins and Carl Towns? What a time. Another W for the Wolves front office. <laughs> Made the right call. Yeah, gotta gotta just say, fans, whatever team you're a fan of, don't you're you, you're you're probably being overpressured by your young guys. Is is ultimately the case, even though it's fun. It's just ultimately you might be like a little higher than they need to be. All right, player who doesn't need a trade. So mine's Marcus Smart. 
because he's been like linked to like the Lakers and like we 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 I hear on this show have speculated a little bit about okay should they try to move on from him and and get some value back from now I I just think they can probably try to flip Kennard if they need to move someone and Marcus is hurt um run him back for next year and have him be the guy you want him to be when you try to really go for it next year when everyone's healthy presumably I, I don't think there's, there's a need to like flip Marcus Smart at this deadline if I'm the, the Memphis Grizzlies is he expect he's out six weeks from January 11th so yeah I guess he will play this season um bummer yeah I play in his return to Boston because like he, I know he got the video. It just would have been cool to see him like do the Marcus Smart shit and like really pissing off the Celtic crowd, probably. Yeah, there was some reporting this week about. Uh, I think it was from Jake Fisher that the Dorian Finney-Smith rumors about multiple first-round picks and whatnot was coming from last summer when maybe Memphis wanted to do something like that. And to me, that actually indicates just how much they value Smart. That they really seem to do their homework. We know they pursued. Mikhail, <clears throat> and if they like him that much, I I don't see a way that they're dumping him without ever even seeing him alongside their their best guys. So I, I've just been thinking he's he's a grizzly till next year, unless something really huge comes across where they just kind of have to do it. I don't think they're in any hurry to dump him, but we did we did discuss it, so it's a good one to circle back on. I'm not sure if they'll do any trades. Like even I think I saw they're uncertain if they want to get rid of Xavier Tillman. It's like what are we doing here? Yeah, it's quite weird. Get uh, some assets, you know. Uh, mine is yeah. Larry Markkinen. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. I I the it just the more we hear, and I know it's Danny Ainge, and we'll, you know we'll be doing this and we will become the joker over time convincing ourselves that the jazz are actually pursuing these players that they are not but even entertaining the fact of certain trades which they at least seem to have done with um dejounte with drew holiday with damian lillard and the fact that they've refused to tear down that tells me that they're not tanking. They're not bottoming out. And if that's the case, there's no reason to trade a perfectly good player like Markin. And it sounds like they want to renegotiate and extend with him is like the current kind of consensus among these insidery people. And I would think they could probably get a good price for him because they were the place that he rejuvenated his career. You see a lot of guys kind of take a discount there in those situations. So if they can do that, get him at less than a max and he keeps playing as well as he has, like why would you want to get rid of a guy like that? If your if your goal is to be competent, if not win, that, that'd be actually kind of dumb. They have plenty of assets. What do they need? You know, a couple more picks for. It's a great point. All right. Team that does that needs a trade the most. Brennan, to me, it's, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Just get another guard who can dribble and run an offense. It isn't Mike Conley. Your team is crying out for it every time you watch them. It is hurting Anthony Edwards, Kyle Anderson, and some assets. You go get another guard. It's just like the most obvious trade that is staring down, whether it's DeLon Wright, whether it's Tyus Jones and bringing him back. That's probably the one I like the most. Just go get a damn point guard and stabilize your season to some degree. It's just staring them in the face to just do that trade, and I think they desperately need it if they want to kind of hold on to some kind of positive seating within the West. Yeah, I'm not... I agree with you. I don't know who that's going to be. 
I'm a little nervous about Minnesota. I think that they might be stuck with who they have, and that's D-Lo fine. Back. They're very good. For whom? I don't, I don't know what they... They just don't have a lot to trade. It, it's really like it's just Kyle Anderson. Um, yeah. I think even Alexander Walker is is too valuable. He, he's... As far as smaller guys, he's... A, I think he's a better point of attack defender than Ant is. So, it's hard. I, I don't know if they can get it across the finish line. I have the Mavericks. It's a good one. I think it's pretty obvious. We talked about it with Kuzma. It sounds like they continue to be in on PJ Washington. Just somebody at that spot, especially, you know, with the way that the Grant Williams thing has has just not worked out for them. I think when Exum and Lively and Derek Jones are healthy, that team is getting pretty close to what Dallas was in 2022 when Bullock and Finney Smith were at their peaks together. But that's still not enough. And if I was able to get somebody who could bring a little size, hopefully contribute a little bit to the team defense and be a guy who can who can score a bit and fill it up when Luca so that Luca doesn't have to do so much or when Luca and Kyrie are hurt, which they both have from time to time. That would that would go a long way. But, you know, that's kind of an open secret. That's not exactly my uh, my hottest take here. Um, PJ Washington should have been on my list for probably should have been my pick for a guy that needs to trade in these because I just think that guy is too good to be on that team and I think can't actually just be like a really good player in the East. Charlotte makes everybody besides Brandon Miller look like three times worse than they are. I think Brandon Miller's filling it up, but everybody else, it's like, why are they? just substantially less good than we thought they would be whether you know what i mean like lamello and bridges and pj washington it's like please somebody save the hornets and in the meantime get everybody out of there that they possibly can get out of there brandon miller doing some some stuff of late which is pretty fun team that does not need a trade for me new orleans pelicans okay i am ready to see We have never seen this team in the playoffs with Ingram and Zion. We didn't even see them in the play-in game together last year because Zion was not healthy for that. If, and right now, I mean, they're both healthy. That's not going to change in between now and the deadline. If you have a chance to see that, you just have to see it through. And any of their other trade options are just so complicated because of how much money and how fundamental. I mean, their two biggest trade trade chips, right, from a salary standpoint, are both starters, Valanciunas and McCollum. And it's like that would just be such a huge disruption to your team that I don't think it's worth it. And then the rest of their guys, I guess Nance, but he is a pretty valuable type of guy. Everybody else besides him is cheap and and really raw. So you don't want to trade too too early on on any of those dudes unless you're getting a big star. So it just doesn't feel like there's anything really to be done. And when you look at the chance to say, wow, this whole fucking experiment we've been doing for five years since we got rid of Anthony Davis, we finally get to actually test it. Like, I'd be excited about that. And maybe it doesn't go great, but you at least finally get answers to the questions you've been asking yourself about your team. If you're a fan or you work there or whatever for literally a half a decade. So I think that's the most important thing going on in new Orleans, not getting like another bench point guard or whatever they could get. 
yeah, I let's figure out what you have. And then I think reassess in the summer and pick a direction in some way, shape, or form. I think feels like the move there. And to, unless you have injuries again, and then it's just like I don't even know what to tell you to do there. Mine's the Nuggets. Like, yes, could they yeah. make upgrades on the edges and get another guard and whatever, and get like a, just a another wing or something? Sure. And I think like trading for depth can be underrated in the league at times. It's like if Boston makes a move to like slightly upgrade their depth, I think that could be good business for them. Denver in the same category. But do they really need one? Like, is that really going to... Is getting, like, a 10th man option or an 8th man option really going to make me feel that much better about them? It is not. They are who they are. And if Murray stays healthy and Jokic is Jokic, that team has a very good chance of of making the NBA Finals. Yeah, to me, the thing is, though, like, even the depth point with them, it's like they're choosing not to play their guys. Yeah, it's, Mike it's not like they have what injuries a, or they have nope. just these like black hole young guys who we know suck. Their roster is fine. Their roster, I think anybody, you know, Chanchar's hurt besides him. If even like Zeke Naji or Justin Holiday had to play 12 minutes in a playoff game, like they could still win it as long as the rest of the roster is healthy. So, yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think they need to do anything, and they still terrify me. They're still my pick to win this whole damn thing. So we are uh, we're in lockstep there. We have Our one more category. Yeah. Oh, well, biggest I, unknown. I don't think I saw that. This is on the Brennan. This is on the uh, this is on the, the 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 yellow legal pad I sent you. It's okay. Okay, you go first there's then. Only, there's only one answer to this to me. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder, and if you answer any other team differently, then like. You could you could find a morsel of information about every other fucking team in the NBA. Find me one credible piece of information about what the Thunder are thinking or they're doing. Yeah. And it will be like the first one that we've seen that gives me any concrete idea of like what they actually are thinking about doing or what moves they could make or anything. It's just like they they could do anything because they have all these picks and they're really good and they have a star player in Shea and Chet's been awesome. They could do nothing and it would be fine. They could they could make a medium train and it would be fine. They could do something really bold that we don't see coming. They could be the team that just throws all their chips on the table and does something really aggressive. But we have no idea. Absolutely no idea, I think, in, in about like what they're actually thinking about where they're at right now. It is the most locked down team in the league as far as this this stuff kind of goes. Yeah, it's been that way forever, right? And I just think this is something I wanted to bring up with the tanking but I didn't want to make that too long and I won't make this too long either, but any of these teams that own future draft picks out the wazoo are the biggest unknowns and the thunder being both that and one of the best teams in the NBA makes them just obviously a huge wild card, but you could expand that to include, you know, Brooklyn or Utah or Houston or, I think the Wizards will be on their way to to being that type of team before long, having a, a lot of future picks and, uh, you know, others to come. That is always going to be a complete trump card in anything. So whenever those teams want to move, they're going to be able to outbid all the other teams. It's just always this waiting game of when and how they're going to utilize those assets, but they can't make all these picks. We all know that. So uh, at some point they got to pull the trigger on something, whether that's a huge move or a bunch of incremental stuff, we'll see. Um, I, I don't have a, a different answer that, that, that was just an expansion of yours. I do have an answer for the team that can become a contender with the trade. 
I I think there are three ways you could answer this. There are two okay. team answers I think are acceptable, and I think there's an answer of is there actually any team that is actually capable of this? And that that's my default answer because Brendan, I don't think there's like like we we just we did a show about like lessons of past trade deadlines. It's exceedingly rare to get a trade that actually like helps a team upgrade and and like you can take X player led to a title. It's just very rare and very hard to do that kind of trade. Like there's not a Marcus Alt to Toronto trade like staring us down in in the market. I don't think. I don't think that player is either going to get traded or is necessarily even available. So my answer is is maybe no that like a team gets into that upper ring via trade. I think there are teams. I mean, the, the Bucks, answer might be James Harden and the Clippers, right? It that, already happened. That, that that's a much better answer than me babbling here for a second. The other way you can answer this is to say. The Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks could both make trades and upgrade their depth and get them get a better six man or something. There's a certain yeah. name been linked to both teams that is uh, who's a good player but is entirely uncomfortable to trade for. There's a reason he's available in this context that would make both teams better, but would be uncomfortable in, in Miles Bridges. But both those teams could go get better pieces here and actually upgrade their rotation at low costs, and I think come out as like a better shot to push in that upper echelon than they would be right now. Those are the only two. Those are the two team answers for me. Philly's off the board just because of the, the Embiid situation. Yeah. And I think Philly was still a, a lower ring contender, even without making a move. If you were to tell me everything was rocking as much as it was, I know I've been on big on the, they need to make one to really be there. But to me, it's the Suns. I think the Bucks can win a championship without a trade. I'm not sure if the Suns can, maybe that's unfair. Maybe they're both kind of in the same category. Um, yeah, may, maybe that's not fair, but I, I guess just the Suns specifically it's like, okay, how many guys do the Bucks have? Let's just, finish the show out with this quick thought experiment. I would say rotation guys that I think could survive in a playoff game. They have Giannis, Dame, Middleton, Brooke. If things stay the same as they are, I would say Portis, Connaughton, and Crowder. But even Connaughton's been like phased away in a weird way. Like he's not Pat Connaughton from the title team necessarily. Yeah, that feels overblown to me. I, I don't know why he's not aggressive scoring, and that confuses me. Just you look at the box score, you watch these games, he like just doesn't take shots. But defensively, I think he's I think he's fine. I don't know. Maybe that I don't watch every Milwaukee game, but to me, I think it's fine. I don't know. Eight. Let's just say eight. I think the Suns have six. So that's why I pick Phoenix. And it's the big three, Nurkic, Allen, and Gordon. And I literally wouldn't say they have a single trustworthy player beyond that on their roster right now. They need to get at least one guy either via trade or at the deadline for Fine. them to even survive. What did I say? Uh, you said, trader at the you deadline. At the de yeah. yeah, same thing. I meant the buyout deadline. Yeah, in March it, to have a, a shot because even just from like a, a wear and tear standpoint, a, a fouls in a random playoff game standpoint, you ju you just cannot you can't win four playoff rounds with six players. So they they need they need something much more than I think any other team. And maybe that's just going to be their destiny. Is is they're never really going to get to that echelon of top tier title teams, and they'll just run up against somebody who is and and get knocked out. But if they can. Even get one or two guys, I think we'd feel a lot better about them. I think that's more than fair. We're going to end there. 
I'm Chris Manning. That is Brennan Clean. We'll be back with you after the deadline on Thursday. We'll see if any deals come through, any big deals or react to the whole thing. Give out some grades, all that and more come Thursday. Maybe we'll get some Elena Deladon news as well between now and then. Check out our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Code Just Basketball, $250 deposit match. And use our link to support our friends at Homage. Back at you Thursday. Enjoy the hoops.